without any preamble, I'm just going to bring Troy on because I have a little discussion I want to have with you guys. Uh, because shit is fucking funny in life. I will tell you that. Like, oh my fucking gourd. And it didn't move the thing. Of course it didn't. Why would it do that? Okay. Professional as fuck. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> it's awesome. So, during the intro, um, <laughs> we were talking about what had happened. What happened in the last couple of days? Uh, some of you know that I uh, started another podcast on the side. And by started, I mean, I have it conceptualized and it's ready to go. It's called Destiny's Not Dead. And I've done like a soft episode, episode zero, proof of concept, if you will. I don't know what it was about last night, but on the Destiny's Not Dead Twitter account, I got like 40, like 20 to 40 replies of people going, yeah, it is. Like, that was their whole shtick. And uh, because of the attention and spread that got, it actually doubled the followers that we had. And I checked it. It's not the people that were replying. And he was like, So I have something to say to anybody who's replying negatively to the Destiny's Not Dead Twitter account. Thanks for the free advertising. And if that's really your entire argument, shove it up your ass. Like, bring some intelligence and rationale or just... Just hang on to your mommy's dress and go to the store. It's fine. It's well, fine. I mean, that's it's both the beautiful and terrible thing about having an opinion. And <laughs> it, especially with, you know, like people like us where we can think enough to back up that opinion, you know, like out right. of the woodwork, you get all these people who like misconstrue or intentionally misconstrue mm -hmm. what you say mm -hmm. and it's just like you don't even fucking get it no like, most I, of the time they don't <laughs> and that's the thing that is like on one hand i find hilarious on the other hand i find it to be kind of tragic too um you know like <laughs> i didn't tell you this one um <laughs> this <laughs> the person replied to the, that picture we talked about okay for those of you who don't know we put a picture up by we, I mean me, and beer. We put this picture up of three guardians, a warlock, a titan, and a uh, hunter. And it just says, in in very bold text, if you used to be a guardian, you never were. This is a take on an old phrase, if you used to be punk, you never were. And it was inspired by something our friend Beard Grizzly did on this channel, which was kind of slamming people that are being negative for the sake of being negative about the game. And the picture was meant to do the same thing. It was meant to make people think, like, am I being a dick about this shit? And it certainly struck a chord. <laughs> and um, some people were like, Oh, you mean my thousand hours of destiny to count dude? Like, I'm like, what it does, actually. Just calm your tits, dude. Um, and so I'm, the first episode is going to just be me explaining that picture. But there's a reply to that picture on Twitter. It says, yikes. Nothing more, nothing less. And I just went. So I replied with a question mark. And they <laughs> replied to, it's a cringe picture. First of all, that word needs to go the fuck away. So my reply was, people still say cringe? His reply was, uh, people still play Destiny and, ref and, and do spoofs of God's Not Dead. I'm like, and I'm like, you referenced that movie? Did you really just reference that movie? And I put a slow clap. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, like, 
like I didn't I didn't even know that movie existed until I saw um Cinema Snob do his review of it. That's the only way I would ever like like I'd kind of stay away from religious propaganda. Go go figure, right? Um and I guess it was a pretty big movie and shit. So, whatever. But it was like that was his that was your big comeback, bro. Like, all right. Cool. It just like like yeah, I, the internet will never not be funny. You know. True. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that off my chest. So welcome to the Grindhead Podcast, episode 14. I was there. Video games part two arcades. Starring quarters in this man's skeletal blockbuster. Um, Hi So arcade like we're just gonna hop right into it because we have a tendency to to talk forever. So, like, arcades predate the console by a lot, by a good decade or so. Uh, the first arcade games came out in the 70s, and then they were, it was Pong. That was the thing. Like, they, like, the guys that would later become Atari, or Atari, depending on where you come from. Um, sorry, can't help it. Created Pong, and it made them, like, oodles and oodles of money in, in quarters. Um, and then... As more and more games and more and more companies grew, like the, these, the, the places that now were nothing but our, the arcades, like arcade cabinets, that was all they did. Whereas before, it first started out like uh, coin out games, like in a bar or something like that. Um, what was your first? What's your first memory of an arcade game? Playing one, to your knowledge. Uh, the well, it I don't know. It's weird because like you just doing that intro kind of made other memories flood back in because like <laughs> i th- think that i may have played like an arcade game at like a restaurant or a bar or something like sure. it would have been something super simple like right. uh like galaxian or but that obviously wasn't a strong enough memory to take hold <laughs> um my very first actual memory of playing uh an arcade game in an arcade was uh the RoboCop game. Oh yes. Yes. Uh I actually recorded footage of myself playing the meme of that uh about a year ago and I was I I watch the video sometimes if I'm ever feeling down because there's like such joy on my face. It's pretty good. It's good shit. Yeah, so, and I mean, like, I I have such a clear memory of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, it was such a new experience to me. Um, I, not to get off on too much of a uh, tangent already. Come on, but, dude, um, it, it, you it's, know, it, like, it, it's perfect, of course. As, uh, you know, as we uh, kind of explained in the last episode, like, I mean, I've been playing games since as long as I can remember with Mm -hmm. Atari and, you know, moving straight to the NES. But the arcade was so different. Mm -hmm. Everything was bigger and brighter and louder. And and, and when you're a kid... You don't have your own disposable income, not not with any great degree anyway. You know, there's allowances and whatnot. Maybe you've got a paper route or something, maybe. But when you're a little kid especially, it's like if they give you that quarter, you get to pick that one game, it becomes the most stressful moment of your life. You're like, which one am I going to play? And then you go yep. up to one, you're like, oh, I picked this one. They're like, it's a dollar to play. And you're like, fuck. You may not even know the word fuck yet, but you're like, Whatever a kid would say, nah, like whatever the, the equivalent is, you know. But but in your head, it's like fuck. 
Um, I remember, like, I'm sure that I played, like, uh, like Pac-Man or something uh, in an arcade. I, I'm certain of this, right? Um, but my first, the like, a solid memory, like, I, I can see myself almost outside my body, like, third person, I can remember this, was playing a Gorf cabinet at a pool. And I spe- oh, wow. And I specifically remember that Gorf shocked me literally like it, it like i went <laughs> i mean it's, it, it's an arcade cabinet poolside what do you think's gonna happen you know um and i remember i only got to play it once my mom gave me a quarter and then it didn't work so i i'm pretty sure that i shorted out the machine in hindsight but uh it was fun you know and and the 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 cabinet i remember the the feeling of the cabinet was almost like sandy like, I don't, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, there's this weird, like, like the, and, and as a kid, the first time you feel something, it's like, like, because if you've never experienced something like that before, it's like, well, you try to approximate it to something else. And in my case, it felt like sand that had memory never left. Like, I can feel it on my hands now, and it's creepy, ew. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I also remember, um, like, like you said, an actual arcade. Uh, this would have been... I would play like a game like a Pizza Hut or something because the Pizza Hut's where we were in the East Coast always had something. So you'd, you know, occasionally you'd get like a, a, a Pac Man or a Zaxxon or something. But I remember distinctly there was like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not sure if it was Chuck E. Cheese or a Putt Putt. I take that back. It was Chuck E. Cheese now. Because here's the only way I know I can verify this memory my parents would go to Chuck E. Cheese for shit when we were in Ohio which is when I was younger somehow we abandoned Chuck E. Cheese for uh, mini putt-putt and when we moved to Virginia like those are two very different things and I remember like (laughs) wanting to rush the fuck through the putt-putt game so we could all go play games and after, like, like, I've been to a few parties with my friends, some for me, some for other people. Um, and, like, the next year, we all agreed to ask our parents to, like, fuck the putt-putt. Let's, let's get more. Can we, can we say fuck putt-putt and just get more tokens and play games? And, of course, the answer was, well, why would you want to do that? You know, that's your, uh, like, you guys should be doing something for your birthday, not just playing games or whatever. And, uh... <laughs> of course we were like no fuck that you know uh, and we ended up playing a lot of that so I remember like you know uh, the Star Wars vector game did you ever get a chance to play that in the arcade yep. yeah, there's that one um, so years later when I see the Star Wars arcade game that it has like the the walkers in it and shit my mind was like you know blown um you remember Robocop, I do too. Um, we both had great experiences with the Ninja Turtle uh, four-banger. Oh, uh, several times. I can't imagine how um, much money. And just going back to uh, to your putt-putt story there. Yeah. Um, I don't think that parents really got the uh, the actual social importance 
of video, like of arcade games, and especially of something like Ninja Turtles, where it was four player. You know, stuff like the X-Men arcade or Simpsons arcade or uh, like the the Spider-Man where, you know, like all of these great like four to six player games in, you know, terms of the X-Men one Um, where it was really easy to. uh, I mean, I always kind of thought of it in hindsight as like speed dating for gamers, but it's not really a date. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. Hold but, that you know, part. like some you'd be playing some game and somebody else would come up and go, hey, can I join in? And you'd be like, I would love you to. I'm getting killed at this boss right now. Right. And then later, later in the arcade culture, the quarter on the shelf for for fighting games and shit. I got next. Oh, and shit. yeah. For tournament fighters oh, and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when we talk about, you know, the social aspect of gaming, like that was something that we didn't even really truly understand it at the time. Um, we just knew that we were playing the games. We wanted to involve people. Like it was never like, I never had an active thought of like, wow, I, I'm having fun with my, you know, n- new best friend. It was, I just need help. It was that kid desperation of like, save me, dude. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like, and and how many times do you think this happened? Because it happened to me a bunch as a kid, where you think that, um, like you think you're making a friend playing the game, and you never see the motherfucker again. Yep. Like, yeah that uh, that actually happened way more than not. Yeah. It it's weird. Um, like I I, I kind of find that like. I, I wish that like arcades and social media were at the same time. Cause imagine how many lasting friendships you, you know what I mean? Um, potentially, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that there's going to be like this lifelong connection to somebody because you played double dragon with them in an arcade, but there might be, you never know. Oh, for sure. And I like, that's, uh, I mean, you know, when, like, with a lot of the games that I brought up, like Spider-Man and X-Men and Ninja Turtles and whatnot, like, there was, uh, there was a whole, like, kids today, I'm gonna date myself here, (laughs) but, like, kids today don't realize how hard it was to find other people who enjoyed things like Spider-Man and the X-Men. Oh, God. it wasn't the culture that we have today, which is just fucking glorious. Yes. I mean, it was something where, like, the thing was, like, you could find people that were into, like, superheroes in general. You could find people that were into games in general. Uh, but to find someone into, like, your thing. Because, it, you know, there'd be, there'd be stupid kid arguments you'd get into. Spider-Man's a bitch, Hulk's a bitch. And then you wouldn't get along. And it was like... Why? <laughs> like it doesn't matter, you know. You you know because back then everything like that's your whole like that. Nerddom as a kid is like politics as an adult. It really is. Like because you take that's your whole shit, and you take that shit seriously like a big poop. That's serious. Um, I, I don't know that I ever really met anyone that was into Spider-Man as much as uh, 
I, I am until like high school. And I, I know that like, I certainly didn't run into anybody that was into Godzilla as much as I am until like way later, you know? Um, cause I would tell people how into Godzilla was like, eh, it's all right, you know? Um, but the thing is like, for some reason, all those like qualifiers just go away at the arcade, you know? Um, you just, you got a quarter, you're playing the game and you're having fun. Like, do you, do you feel that way? Is it, is that something that like, do you think that maybe there were some barriers that were falling and we didn't even realize it? Uh, in part, yes, because I mean, like uh, just going back to, you know, like the, the culture of that time, like it, it was such a weird thing because, you know, like as much as there was, you know, the whole like, oh, you're a Sega kid. Ew. (laughs) Kind of mentality. At the same time, you also had the, oh my God, someone else that actually likes video games. I don't care what you play. I want to, you know, I want to play games with you. You know, I I feel like um, with arcades too, like you you didn't have to have that kind of a console uh, allegiance because everything was there. Every manufacturer had something at that place. Well, yeah, your allegiance was to your quarter. You know, like it, it, that 25 cents, like that was important. Yes. And, you know, it was which machine am I going to play today? Or, Or you know, like I was always the sort of kid where, like, if I had a dollar, I'd, you know, play a game here, a game there. And at at the very end, I'd always go back to a game that I loved. Right. And it, you know, I I think like. But that's stressful trying to figure out, you know, like, okay, am I going to play three games for a dollar or four games? Or should I just spend it all on this one and try and get further than I've ever gotten before? Uh Oh, but there's somebody playing this game that I really like and they're on stage three. I've never even seen stage three. I can hop on with them. There's so many decisions. And as a kid, like it. It's all these weird little things that are the biggest choices in oh, the entire world. In that moment, yeah. And, and how about this? That brings up an interesting thing. Let's imagine for the moment that, that, that in that instance, that kid's playing level three on that game you like, and it's a single-player game, right? Oh, now, yep. So in your brain, you're like, I'm going to stick around and see like how far he gets, and when he dies, I'm going to put that quarter in. But if you're a savvy player... There's a trolley thing that almost everyone did, and I did it too. Nine, game over. And you're like, no! Because you're eliminating the possibility of anyone piggybacking your shit. Yeah, that that was definitely the arcade version of trolling. Because you'd see somebody, you know, out of the corner of your eye, like, just waiting. And they'd be like, oh, fuck, I can't wait to continue from this point. Nope. You're just like, nope. I'm going to put my initials in. <laughs> <laughs> it's the highest score I ever got. Meanwhile, you're already number one and you're putting in for number three and you're like, <laughs> today. <laughs> the highest I ever got today. Um, and it goes like, Phew. you know, with fighting games, though, like that, that 
opened up a whole other thing. And that really became a big deal in the early 90s. Um, because, like, there was, like, the, Nintendo kind of created this, not a slump in the arcades, but, like, they, they couldn't just put out the same games anymore. Like, I saw a Super Mario Brothers arcade game at Putt-Putt one time, and I was like, why would I play this? I have a friend that has a Nintendo. I can play it for nothing. Like, why? why? Like, why would I do that? Or the Play 10 or whatever, which all they did was put a coin-op uh, mechanism on the demo from, like, Toys R Us or some shit. And you're like, that's low as shit. But all right, fine, whatever. And, and, and all it was was a time limit based on your quarter. And it's like... So, like, um, for roughly 400 of these quarters, I can play this shit forever, so you can eat a dick. Um, yeah, but at the same time, like, um, just with the Play Toys 10, because I remember... Uh, there was one in my local like video store yeah where i used to rent games from all the time and they'd consistently switch out games for new ones that right. you could rent but, but they didn't uh, charge 25, you did they? uh yeah it was still 25 cents but 25 cents to be you know here's three minutes to see if this game that i want to play is worth renting or not in that context i totally get it but in an arcade, fuck in off. In an arcade know? when you're surrounded by everything else, like right. especially, you know, like the, the Sega Nintendo dichotomy is so weird. Yeah. Because Nintendo was king of the consoles, but Sega had the arcade wrapped up. <sighs> like, you know, the first time Especially with stuff like uh like Space Harrier mm-hmm. or uh the the afterburner cabinet that you could sit in oh, and, and the then chair like, would move and, and, and it would super hang rock on. back and forth when like you uh when your plane exploded and yes. yeah super hang on where you got on the motorcycle and you were like going mm-hmm. back and forth like that <clears throat> what kid didn't do that when they were playing a game just holding a controller yep so to be able to like okay i'm on an actual like thing yeah as actual as possible you know motorcycle and here we fucking go which brings me to an interesting point i'm gonna kind of fast forward and come back for a second did you ever after learning how to drive go back and try to play hard driving uh yes that game is dog shit it's not real (laughs) it's not it's not real i i could barely drive it as a as a driver barely well and see that's um it's that's a good game to go off on another tangent here <laughs> Let's too. Do it, dude um because like in hindsight you know like now with um it, i love the ps3 because of how many arcade games it gave me that i never thought i was gonna have again Yes, I, I have to But agree with that. as for, you know, like arcade ports, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff coming out for the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis at the time, like, I loved the Super Nintendo port of Street Fighter 2. Yes, it was very good. Very but compared good. to the arcade game, it sucks. Yeah. It's like, really... it's absolutely terrible. All the characters have been scaled down mm-hmm. so that, like, a lot of the combos and stuff that you'd learn in the arcades wouldn't work because everyone had a different-sized hitbox. Yep. 
but you don't realize that as a kid. You're just like, oh, I get to play Sunset Riders on my Super Nintendo. Right. And, and that's like when you look at like, we you know, last time we told the story about consoles and how the whole reason I bought a PlayStation was so I could practice arcade games. Because at this time, I worked in an arcade. And I had the coolest job. And I've told you the story like 2,000 times because it's that cool. I was like a secret shopper in an arcade. And what that was was that you would play the games, um, the fighting games. You'd basically keep those clear and keep the money flowing. And so, like, for example, if one kid was hogging a title or he was like playing on a long quarter, my job was to beat that kid, get him off, to either get him to spend another quarter or move, or, or move on. Um, and that was the main job. Um, because you got one guy and there's a line of people, there's a whole revenue stream that's being ignored at that point. So, but what ended up happening is kids eventually catch on and you just have to become an associate. <laughs> they eventually figure it out. <laughs> but I had the PlayStation, so when I was at home, I could just practice combos and shit because on the PlayStation ports, it's one-to-one. Like, there's no, you're not missing anything at that point. At least... When Depending. We... Like, the uh, the PlayStation ports and that generation definitely yes. did have... Because uh, uh, the characters were all the right size. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's the little things, like um, right. missing animation frames and stuff like that. Sure. It's uh, definitely a lot less noticeable. Yeah. Um, and... But... Also, still definitely something where, like, that's, uh, that's why that's arcades really were so what good made the arcade so good for so long was it was really hard to find that that one to one conversion. And uh, you brought up the uh, the original PlayStation, so like one of the launch titles was a perfect arcade port, uh, yeah. the Raiden Project. Yes, fucking fantastic port. And you know, this was one of those things where for three, almost four generations, um, we were told, arcade, blah, 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 blah. This was the first time that it actually happened. And it, it, was, it was really interesting. Um, and I find and that And I now, mean, granted, not that, you know, Raiden or Raiden 2, either of them are, uh, you know, like the, the most uh, graphically intensive games. Right. But really, like, it... It's very hit or miss up until um, up until about the Dreamcast port of the original Soul Calibur or yes. Soul Edge. I don't. Sorry, at that point, is, at that uh, point, it was Soul Calibur. Like it would go Soul Edge, and then they just jumped to Soul Calibur. But that that was the first, yeah, at least in my mind, better than arcade port. Yeah, because it was actually smoother than than the arcade. Because at that point. Um, you had if you had the right uh equipment at home you could get a better refresh rate and so forth than what you were getting in these these uh arcades because they didn't really put the best displays in the arcade not really or, or sometimes because they were trying to compete with home you'd have this big screen well it was an awesome huge rear projection screen but it had a shitty refresh rate yeah, and you, and you didn't realize that at the time then you get the game like soul caliber at home and you're like fuck that's crazy um, but like I almost see it in reverse now, in a sense, it, where like the only arcade game I'd heard anything about in the last few years is, was Tekken Seven or, or Tekken Six, even 
Like, that's the only arcade game I heard anything about. And it's, I honestly feel like the arcade versions of those games, especially in Japan, are like playtesting for the home version they're going to release a year later. Yeah, I can see that. Like, they're working out all, they're like gathering aggregate data and then saying, okay, how can we make this better on a home console? How can we optimize this? And it's like, that's fucking really smart. And I wish there were more arcades so you could do that again, because again, now it's it's a one-to-one for, from here on out, pretty much, unless they start putting supercomputers in the goddamn arcades. Um, so I promised you some new stories when I pitched you this idea. So two years ago, um, as a matter of fact, like, just to give you an idea of the time frame, right? I get home from my mom's funeral, and I'm home for about a week, week and a half, and then this arcade opens up down the street. It's like this posh, hipster kind of thing, where like, like, like they have pizza, but it's like served on like bread made from the tears of like old goths and shit. Like I don't know, like it, it's you know like super pretentious, like. They're fried pickles, like they like the way they word it. Like it's just fried pickles, but they like have like this term for it, like pickled cucumber, breaded fried penis edge. I don't know what the fuck it was, but like it was super super hipster. Craft beers, it's a bar, but they have like a shitload of pinball machines and a shitload of arcade games. <sighs> so I took, a, I was like, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to get wasted. I was in my. Uh, we're going to go out. I don't want to be at home. I don't want to be with anybody. I just want to go out and get wasted stage of grief. That's a real stage of grief. Don't dispute me. So, so I took a cab to this place. I was there with Bennett. And I proceeded to get wasted and play video games. It was amazing. And I was talking to the owner for like a half hour. Because he was like... He could tell because I'm older. He's like, you appreciate this. I'm like, yes, I do. They had... Uh, I think they had a virtual fighter. Um, they had a Terminator pinball machine, which was cool. They had an Adams Family pinball machine, which was cool. Uh, Dig Dug, they have uh, like a Zaxxon, you know. Road Blasters, they had that. Well, I was like, nice. yeah! And then uh, he motions, and he takes me to a corner, and he pulls a, a cover off. And then he goes, bing! fucking Ninja Turtles 4-banger. Nice! He, they were still cleaning it and, like, restoring, like, so, like the two joysticks on the right needed to get, be restored a bit. Uh, he says, so only play these two. But it looked really good. It was a little dingy, but it's fucking Ninja Turtles, dude. Yeah. Cowabunga! I'm like, ah, I know this is... Oh, Hang it's on, April. like, 30 <laughs> years old. Right. And I was in seventh heaven, dude. I just... And the thing is, like, I can fire up my Xbox 360 right now and play a perfect port of that. It's not the same. Like, it is the same, but it's not. <sighs> Man, I, well, I... There's something to be said about, like, the uh, the feel. You know, yeah. like, you brought up, like, the sandy-feeling arcade cabinet. Like, mm-hmm. there's something about... The, and fight sticks don't even do it for me. Yeah, as like a as an alternative, but you know, like there's something about the feel of having you know one hand on that joystick and the other on top of the buttons, and it's yep, 
it's just a different experience. And I've I've played like uh like the really expensive ones, and those are a really good approximation. But if I'm sitting down, it's not the same. Exactly. It's not like you 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 need to have that whole like recreation of it. And like that's why I really appreciate like what these uh I guess they call them barcades mm-hmm. are trying to do. Um I mean it it's kind of weird now as an adult to be like, yeah, I want to go play some arcade games and get a beer and I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, like, if they, if, what if they had one of those damn uh, afterburner carts, man? <laughs> you know, like, you just see some asshole throwing up all over the floor and shit. I'd or, love to see somebody fall off a super hang on bike. Oh. <laughs> okay, if I ever open a bar, I promise you I will do this. In one corner of the bar, there will be two breathalyzers because you can do those. You can have a, like a free breathalyzer at your thing just for fun, right? Two of them. And on the right side, you've got super hang on. On the left side is hard driving. And I would actually, um, and, and if there was a way that I could wire it to where you have to be legally drunk to play the game, I would do that. <laughs> it would be amazing. Like, you have to be legally drunk if you're above the legal limit to play these games. Um, you know, obviously, we'd have so to take to replace the coin slot with the breathalyzer. Pretty much, dude. That would be amazing. And, and, and for me, it would be like, you know, obviously, you have to take their keys. If they're like, I'm going to try for that, won't give me your keys. And then you would, you know, so you want anyone to be safe. You, you'd offer to pay him a cab, whatever. But and then stream that shit, <laughs> you know, fucking, like, what do do? you know, be fucking cool. Yeah, or- just have a little sign by it, like just so you know, there's a camera pointing right yeah, at, yeah, at you while you're playing this. Right. No I, I would, pressure. <laughs> I would. I would probably put like a disclaimer on the door, like you're being filmed at all times. Um. You know, and by entering these premises, you are consenting to that being broadcast and shit. You know, um, something like that. Like I, I would make it known. I, I would think I would make that a known thing. Like this is a stream bar. Like everything, every game you're playing can be streamed at any point. In other words, it's a gigantic multicam production with just some nerd in the back on OBS going camera one, camera three, camera two, camera six. Zoom in on the big tits. Camera six. Camera one. Tits, 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 tits. <laughs> you know, I I feel like there's a market for that. Um, especially when one considers that, like, King Gathion, who's a pretty big Twitch streamer, one of the biggest, uh, started out in the Destiny and Borderlands community, and now he's kind of branched out a bit. And he and his business partners, because um, one of the things, if you're really, really lucrative on Twitch, like super lucrative, you need to spend money to lower your taxes, basically. In other words, the more you spend on expenses, like, so his accounts, like, buy shit. So at one point, he, what he did, so genius, he took this little nook room in the center of his house that they weren't using for anything. It was like, uh, I guess it would have been for laundry or something. It's like smaller than this. It was about the size of this room, so not huge. (laughs) He remodeled the whole thing. And the door to get in is this bookshelf. So you just to get into it, and he calls it the speakeasy. 
and with an easy. He's got like a little like booth in there where you can just sit and have a, a beer. He's got a kegerator in there, like so you have like a tap pull, uh, wine cooler, like, and all that shit. But he also has this gigantic arcade cabinet that has like every game in it. Like not just MAME, but everything. Like every console up to like PS1, pretty much. Um, and it's all in there and it, it's beautiful. And then you just see him scrolling through all the games. You're like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's a lot of shit. Uh, and then like in the closet outside of the room, he's got like all the capture cards and the PCs and any consoles. Cause he can play any console on any TV in there and shit, you know, chat is over there. So when they, they stream from this room once a week, it's really, it's, it's, it's a really neat concept. It's something that, like. It's like, wow, like, he owes that thing. If I had enough money, I would. He's absolutely done this. Um, and the thing is, because there's so much, it's a small enclosed room and there's all this electronics, he has to, he had to install a special air conditioner to cool the place, which then ups his electric bill, which ups his cost of uh, operating, which lowers his taxes. It's a really genius racket, to be honest. And it's a cool way of monetizing having a beer with your business partners every week. I tell you that much. Yeah, really. Because the beer becomes an expense too, because we're drinking it for the stream. It's for your entertainment. So you can, like, I don't know if you can actually write that off. I'll have to ask uh, Gigi. But, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I feel like, um, there, there's a flexibility now to where you can pretty much do whatever you like. Like, I have the, the Vive over here, which to me is a very arcade like experience. In as much as I'm standing up, I can play almost any game that I want, uh, within re- any type of game anyway, and play it in a way that's more interactive than sitting at the desk. <laughs> if you want to avoid the cameras, you just stay away or hide in the toilets. <laughs> uh, well, we got toilets. a surprise for you, Tom. Exactly. <laughs> There's cameras in the in bathrooms, the- too. <laughs> it sounded like a, a refrain for us hip hop song. Cameras in the bathroom too. Cameras in the bathroom. What? What? I don't. Sorry, I can't. I can't not do that. That's horrible. That's bad. Um. So getting back, I promised we'd come back. So getting back to like, you know, consoles had kind of created a sort of competition between arcades and console. So, and up until that point, it was basically you put out the arcade game and you bring it home. Well, then there was a whole companies of, of development and publishing that were only doing console games, and that market was pretty much wrapped up tight with the occasional arcade port or so forth. I think around maybe 88 in particular, like right around that time, I think that the arcade uh, manufa- game manufacturers started getting wise to the fact that like, if we want people to come in and play these games, they've got to be better and different. So that's where you're multiplayer games came into play that's where i honestly the tournament fighter was born because of that i think Um, well yeah there's uh there's definitely a big split between like the uh the early arcades and i mean i i remember hearing stories but like i don't recall you know just the seediness and like all the the 80s arcades weren't a place for kids to be about. 
in the late 70s, 90s arcade games, definitely. Right. So like, um, but there, you know, like there was this big renaissance in terms of, you know, like the the manufacturers going, OK, you know, like we have a, a real chance to stand out compared to what the consoles are doing. Sure. Um, whereas, you know, like with the 70s, 80s ones, it was still just, you know, like high score games mm-hmm. where, you know, you'd go in, you'd try and get the high score and that's it. And you, I mean, like I've heard from the stories, like that was the place where you'd go to like get your grams of weed. Right. I mean, um, you know, the, the dedicated arcade versus like the Chuck E. Cheese or the putt putt. I, I don't know that I ever went to like a, a regular arcade that wasn't in a mall until I was older. Uh, and the arcade in a mall that's like, 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 that's really like, you know, bubblegum kind of shit. Um, you know, you have your ski ball machines and, I always wanted a skee-ball machine in my house until I realized that, like, if I live with anybody and I have a skee-ball machine, like, the temptation to just throw one of those balls at somebody, it's like, I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Be like, shut up! You know, like, I'm not, I'm not a violent dude. I would never do that. But, like, it just, it's like, Ice-T talking about, like, some people, like, if they hold the fork, like, I could take this fork, stick it in my eye. You know? <laughs> like, it's like, eh, not really. Um... So yeah, I agree with you that there was a divide uh, in the target market at first. Um, there was these other businesses that kind of had that in mind, you know, where it was Putt Putter, Chuck E. Cheese, birthday shit or whatever. Like, I, I want to be, no, I want to have heard the pitch. Okay, arcade games, kids play them. Let's give them a wholesome environment. Let's give them some pizza. They love pizza. And robot rodents singing to them. I was like, wait, you what? Like... <laughs> Yeah, like robots, like like. Like they're actually gonna sing like that? No, not like that. But I was just. Why? No, not a... like that. A little worse than that. <laughs> you get the idea. Do you ever go to one of those places like where like the mouse was starting to break down a bit? Well, yeah, and you'd see like half the plastic on the face was cracked, or oh, yeah, that's where the nightmares come from. It puts the lotion in the goddamn basket after that shit. I'll tell you what, um, just awful. Uh, I, I remember (laughs) uh, when I first got to Chicago. Side story. When I first got to Chicago, I was in a band called DOTAC, which stands for Disciples of the Antichrist, which was like straightforward. <laughs> like, fair enough. Like, no question about what this band's about. So I'm driving to practice, and to get to practice, I had to pick up the guitar player who did not uh, have a car at the time. Um, so I'd pick him up. And to get to his place, I'd always pass a Chuck E. Cheese. And when we would pass back to go to rehearsal, I'd always say, I have a feeling that no matter what we do, we'll never be as evil as that place. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, mm. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just never mind, dude. It's, uh, you fucking don't get it. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> and I never went into that place either. Like, I was just like, there's still an open Chuck E. Cheese somewhere in, in the United States in, in, you know, the 21st century. I don't want to know what goes on in there. Like, 
I, I imagine I would go in there and like Chuck himself would be at the door like, what do you want? I got lewds. I got heroin. What, what, what do you need? You, you want bitches? I got them in the back. Pick your poison, then we'll throw you in the ballroom. <laughs> and it's totally, and it's a ballroom, all right. Not the one you're used to. <laughs> this took a, a dark turn. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I set him up, you knock him down, it's fine. It's good. Um, but I, I, I feel like these, these retro, you know, these, these barcades, as you call them, like, I think, I don't know if they're the future, um, but I feel like they could be. Like, I, I well, wonder... I mean, just in terms of, uh, like, a, and I know this is something that we've talked before on, on different shows, but uh, barcades are really good for that sort of preservational aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like before MAME became, well, even before it became big, before MAME was even a thing, you know, like arcades are the hardest portion of video games for that preservational aspect. Yes. Like you can have a complete collection of NES or Super Nintendo cartridges. You're not going to get a complete collection of arcade cabinets. Not no, good. or even just the boards. Um, it's nigh impossible. And, and it's something where, you know, like, I love to revisit the, the past in terms of all these games that I've played, and now with, uh, you know, with the, the mentality of an adult, looking at them again and going, okay, why did I enjoy this? Mm. You know, um, and sometimes, it's a lot harder to do this? with arcades because you, like... It's really hard to find the games. But that's why, you know, like I said earlier, that's why I love that. That, to me, was the draw of the PS3 and the Wii. Is because they were offering me arcade games. And I was like, okay, you you sold me. Because, I mean, at that point, like before the Wii and PS3, I was out of video games for quite some time. Hmm. Um, Which is weird I mean, to say out loud because I I can't imagine a you that doesn't play video games, but I I get it because I was the same way for a while. Well, yeah, I mean it just kind of happens hand in hand with you know like the you get to the age where things like music and playing in a band with people become a lot more important than right. sitting around and playing Super Mario World. Uh, so I had kind of fallen out. Although that was also the time of me, you know, first getting into PC gaming. But mm-hmm. it, and I mean, like, I feel like the stigma of, you know, PC gaming's not the same is, it's completely gone. And in 2018, it, it yeah. doesn't exist. Like, if playing a game on computer is exactly the same as playing it on the PS4 or the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Arguably better in some cases too, um, and that obviously it's not just not to get into that slippery slope of an argument. Um, no, but I'm mean, just to uh, you know to cap off that thought. Like th- that to me was what drew me back in, um, and 
I don't know. It, it was really neat to be able to have the Simpsons arcade game because yes. that was that was one of the few treasures that just never got ported. Yeah, it, it, it for it to just suddenly pop up there on Sony is like, like what? Yeah, um, in in hindsight, like that was a game that you know, like I would have totally accepted. You know, smaller sprites, less advanced. Because yep. it it wasn't a graphically intensive game to begin with. Would have been great the Super so, Nintendo. Would have been perfect. Yeah, it it was just one of those games where like I couldn't figure out why it never got a port. Well, right. yeah, money and licensing and whatnot. But the right. Simpsons were so hot at the time that that like. If you had the choice between the Simpsons arcade game and every other Simpsons game that they'd made, the choice is obvious. The Simpsons arcade—it's a beat 'em up with the fucking Simpsons, and it, it's perfect. Um, like, I mean, I know people like Bart versus the Space Mutants and Bart's Nightmare, and but they're terrible games. They they're always honestly have been. just fucking. Yeah, the only Simpsons game that I've ever enjoyed was. Uh, and I always confuse the two because there were two that came out on the PS2. There was uh, the Hit and Run mm -hmm. and Road Rage. And one of them's really good and one of them's not so good. I think hit, the, I, whichever the first one was. They're similar enough that I, I just confuse them both in my head. <laughs> well, then you fast forward now to like... Um, like they, they've... The console market move towards games you could not have in the arcade in the same way that arcade games had previously moved to games you could not have at home so like you don't have a, a south park arcade game you've got a south park fucking rpg two of them were gigantic and perfect yeah and you'd never have that in the arcade so like i, I my question becomes like okay um how do you innovate in the arcade space and it, you broken record guilty as charged vr dude uh because that's that's one of the biggest markets for vr is you know these these arcade places like especially in china and korea um japan uh to a lesser degree europe and you know they're these places like a dave and busters or whatever where it's like a larger joint and they have like exclusive games and shit um i i feel like that is going to be you know, at least for a while, they're going to find a niche. They're going to figure it out. First person to, like, franchise a VR arcade in the in North America and, and, and do it in a format that is lucrative financially in some way, it's going to take off for a few years. And then you figure maybe 10 years from now, VR will be as common in household as a console or a PC gaming. We're not... Yep too far off from that now it's a matter of creating that mainstream uh popularity and our, i think arcades are the way to do that vr arcades if you will if someone patented that if they haven't the vr arcade vr vr <laughs> vr arcades because I, I do feel like that's where it's at i just i don't know how you would do that exactly um, other than it being a like a cover charge, and then you get to play for X amount of time 
uh, whatever you want, I guess. Play Choice 10 model. <laughs> yeah. See, it all comes back around. It does on some level, man. And when you look at some of the games that were the most successful in the early days of, like, the Vive and the Oculus, they're fucking arcade games at heart. There's a game called Space Pirate Simulator, which is you standing on a floating platform as all these, like, little drones come around and shoot at you. You gotta dodge, and then you gotta shoot at them. You have, like, two different guns and shit. Like, it's, like, super arcade Like, so arcade it's not even funny, like... Like, why am I... I have a ship behind me. Why am I standing here? Why am I not just getting in the ship and saying, fuck you, and flying away? Like, like it's like, this is a, a premise that only exists for the sake of, to support the game mechanics. And I accept that. You know? Uh, and there's plenty of other games like that, where it's just like, this makes no sense, but the mechanics are fucking amazing. Fun. You know? Um, would but you yeah, go up with it's, that? Uh... Well, I'd say that it's very true that an arcade would need to do something like that in today's market just to to survive. Mm. Um, just because, you know, like going back to uh, to earlier in the conversation, you know, like uh, you had mentioned that um, the arcade market was very different from the console market. Yes. And the. the they both drove each other to do better mm-hmm. because you know with the consoles it was always like the the desire to get to that arcade point yes and with arcades it was always the desire to stay better than what the consoles could provide or at least something different mm-hmm. and you know like that that feeds back into everything like going back to you know like the old uh, old computer games while they didn't necessarily have uh you know the the sort of games that the NES did just because like uh, early computers weren't very good at scrolling right um so you know like they had to think about like what can we do that's different from what they do and i mean the big thing about old computer games now that i've had a chance to go back to some of them is things like resolution yes uh you know like uh take a game you know for uh like the old msx computer like metal gear sure which got an nes port the nes version is uh, i don't remember the exact dimensions now but uh like nes games run at like 230 by 230 ish Right around there, yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact details, but you play that game on the MSX, it's 600 by 400. Which is a huge difference. It's... So presentation-wise, they were able to offer something that you just couldn't do on the consoles. Right. The arcades did the same thing in terms of graphics, in terms of sound. Um, like, it's... It's amazing to to hear an arcade game compared to a Super Nintendo port because all the audio gets bit crushed. Yeah, and, and n- never mind the fact that like a lot of those cabinets have really good speaker systems in them. Like yeah. that ca- that cannot be understated. Um so you know, fast forward 20 30 years where I'm playing RoboCop on, you know, an emulation of it but through my 
surround system in here because I have speakers behind me. Like people forget that, but I and I was cranked it. Stop all food, you know all that shit. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. and like my my subwoofer is has got me in trouble with the neighbors before, so I don't do it too often. But I did it at a time when I knew they were gone. So I was like, I'm just traveling. Like, yeah, I forgot. So much fun, you know, because and that's a big part of it. Like, if there was a, an experience that I would love to be able to have on tap, and I know, I know you're gonna tell me a way to do this. I already know. All right. So it's walking through a mall and then slowly hearing the arcade noises get louder and louder and louder. Um, yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's that's exactly it is the arcade was a full, you know, sound sights, fortunately or unfortunately smells, smells. <laughs> like it, if. I don't know if you weren't there, like you, you honestly don't know. It was, it was an and, experience. You know, like uh, I'm not trying to say that as like, oh, look at me, I have all this arcade experience. But it, <laughs> put that on your resume, see what it gets you. But I mean, it, it's that sort of thing where, like, if you've never been to France, you can see pictures of the Eiffel Tower, but it. It's not the same as seeing it in person. Yo, fuck you. I've played Twisted Metal too. I know all about the Eiffel Tower. All right. <laughs> I'm all about that shit. All about it, bro. All about it. Um but like um for me the big thing will always be that point you just made where the arcade top to bottom, back to front, all your senses was an experience you cannot replicate. Um, there is the Anarchy Arcade thing that you uh, introduced me to a couple years back. It is compatible with the Vive. I haven't messed with it yet. Oh, that would be awesome. Because the only thing, the reason I haven't messed with it is that the controllers, like these handheld doodads, like you're supposed to use them, and I'm like... Because I would want to, like, have an arcade, one of those nice $200 arcade sticks on, like, a stand and be like, all right, all right. And then at that point, it's like, if you're going to surround your room with a bunch of those to play an arcade game in virtual reality, it's like, no, it just doesn't, no, it's not going to happen. Um, but I, I really think that that's the whole overarching point. We, we can talk about industry trends. We can talk about the console wars. We can talk about uh, VR and the future of arcades. At the end of the day, going into a, a carpeted room, those carpets were always dirty. I think they shipped out dirty. I don't know. Yeah, what and they do. were always like the the tiniest, mm -hmm. like flattest carpets you could. Like I imagine that they started out being stomped on. Did you ever fucking like trip and fall in one of those places? Like you would need a skin graft after that. You're <laughs> <laughs> like ah. Yeah. <laughs> client down, client down by Frogger, client down by Frogger, send help. You know. <laughs> Fucking like that's a real thing. Um, but like, but that's not you don't hear about that at um, a GameStop or uh, Dave and Buster's or one of these hipster places. It's not the same thing. And that's one of the things that I had said. It, this is great, but it's not the same. 
Um, and, and maybe it's some rose-colored glasses. I don't give a shit. But, like, there was something about walking into an arcade because, like, and I think, go with me here. When you were a kid and your mom gave you tokens or a dollar or, um, you know, whatever the, 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 the currency is for that particular arcade, right? And says, go have fun. That, as a kid, was some of the most freedom you would ever experience in your life. You were making buying decisions. You were playing what you were doing exactly what you wanted to do, and you were free to be a kid, period. Um, and that's something we just, that... Uh, sorry to cut you off. We just got yeah. a comment that uh, I don't really know anything about. Me either. Um, maybe a good topic is free sync on Xbox. Uh, I'm not sure what FreeSync is, but after the show, I'll definitely go check it out. I'm guessing FreeSync is a uh, is technology regarding like monitors and display in terms of like um, it's versus G-Sync, so it's like AMD versus uh, Nvidia. So I'm not sure I could talk about that for an hour <laughs> on any level. Um, I would definitely encourage someone at AMD to talk about that for an hour, but I appreciate the input nonetheless. Um, but you know, although we did talk about refresh rate and shit earlier in the podcast, I'll cop to it. Okay. But it was like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I, I don't know for me, I'm, I don't get too much into the technicals of things. It's the feels in my heart that it gives me. Yeah, when you started talking about resolution and pixels, I was like, who the fuck is this? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, it, it's the sort of thing where, um, I, like, I get that, you know, like, and I've seen living proof of it where, you know, like a, a 60 frame per second game plays a lot better than yes. a 30 frame per second game like but the 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 most eye-opening experience i had with that recently was um playing uh borderlands 2 on my p or on uh, my ps3 mm -hmm. and then when i got my computer fixed again going back to it on pc and yeah. like it feels like a different game yes um my most recent on that is uh destiny 2 going from uh, 30 frames per second locked on console. And if I am if I don't have my OBS open, if I have OBS open, I've got to kind of choke it down to 60. But if I don't have OBS open, I can run that bit to 200 frames a second. Um, and granted, my I have a 60 hertz monitor. But I'm telling you, like, it is still smoother by a lot. Um, even though it can't display the refresh, you know, it, there, it just there's just more frames in there. There's less chance of losing any information at that point. Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, I'm not the sort of person where, you know, like, uh, I won't play this game because it only plays at 30 frames a second. But, that, but uh, I will be the first one to testify that you can feel the fucking difference. You certainly can. Um, it, it's definitely a, a big thing. And, 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 you know, in today's market with, uh, you know, with streaming being what it is, like right now we're streaming at 30 frames per second. I normally stream at 60, and the only reason we're doing it is because, like, you just, I'm not going, like, doing breakdance ninja moves and shit. Like, you don't need that on a podcast. Not on this stream, anyway. <laughs> no, I'm not. Check out Jim's breakdance kicking podcast coming up soon. 
<laughs> Check out Jim's hospital bill growing in front of your very <laughs> eyes. Film at 11. Jesus Christ. But yeah, it definitely feels good to go from like 10 to 80 frames. And, and, and you know, um, it, what's interesting, like, for example, like, um, on when you're playing like a, a, an emulated game on PC, for example, you're playing on equipment that is at a higher quality than what uh, was originally intended. So, for example, like Ninja Gaiden, like I have to relearn to play the game because I'm not playing on a CRT monitor at that point. I'm playing yeah. on... So the smoothing is different, the emulation, it's all different. Um, so I like... I certainly want to... Uh, at some point, you know, get a CRT and do this properly and all that shit. Um, but I don't know that. Uh... Again, it, it just goes back to the original thing that I was I was trying to wrap things up with. That it, there's certain things that you can never recreate, uh, and if you didn't experience it in the time that it was prevalent, you probably will never fully understand it. Um, but that was what made arcades special, right? Yeah. So. Thank you for talking to me about arcade games today. Uh, we have to figure out what the next step in the evolution is. I'm not sure yet, guys, so we'll figure it out later. Uh, but as far as the episode goes, that's in Grind's head this week. Troy, thanks for stopping by, brother. Oh, anytime. He is Skeletroy everywhere. Links will be in the description if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Anchor or on iTunes. Take care, guys. Cheers.